So uh, I'm going to share just briefly this morning from uh, text in, in 1 Corinthians, but I want to kind of bounce off of this idea of baptism. When we are baptized, we are joined together with our maker. We're rejoined, in a sense, with our maker, the one who created us and has always been poised and ready for us to turn back. And in baptism, we celebrate that through Christ we're rejoined uh, with him. But, but there's a horizontal piece to this too. Not only are we we're reunited with uh, our maker, but we're reunited with the brothers and sisters of the family of God. We, we come into a whole new set of relationships through the family of God. And, and that has to be thought about as well. And so we're going to spend just a, a few minutes, really what we're about today is just celebrating the baptisms. And, and thank you so much for those testimonies. And, and that's really where I think we're the power of God. But we're going to spend just a few minutes thinking about this. I was, I was um, considering my family, and there's six of us in our family. And I wondered, okay, I've often wondered this, the complexity of the relationships in our family. How many different kinds in, of, of relationships are there in our family? You think about there's... You know, my wife and I, that's, that's one. But then if my wife and I and my son are together talking, that's a different kind of dynamic and relationship. But then it's my wife and my son and my, and my daughter and I. That's, that's four people. That's a different dynamic. So how many different sets of possible relationships are there in that six-person family? So I had to ask Rob Hansen, who's an engineer. Um, I don't know if I knew how to do this, but if I did in the past, I forgot. Uh, and he told me there's 63 different possible combinations of relationships in my six-person family. Now, I think about that, and I think, how could I keep track of all that? How could I manage all that? There's no way. There's no way I, as a finite human being, could manage all the complexity of those different relationships. Now, expand that out to the family of God, right? You think about the diversity with which we come into the family God, family of God, uh, the, the number of people that there are in the family of God, um, the different backgrounds that we have, and you get this incredible complexity. And who could there ever be who could manage all that and bring us together in harmony so that we're not only together, but we're actually serving one another in a way that's beneficial to everyone, mutually beneficial? Who could do that? Well, would you open with me to 1 Corinthians 12? We're going to find out the answer right now. Open up to 1 Corinthians 12. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll give a Bible to you. It's on page 663 in that Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. And we're going to answer this question. Who is it who can manage all the relationships in the church and even make it so that they function, so that there's mutual benefit from one to another? 663 in that Bible. We're going to start in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12. Paul writes this. Now, there are varieties of gifts. And and let me just say off the bat, we're going to be talking a lot about gifts here. And gifts, in this sense, are spiritual gifts given to people who've come to faith in Jesus Christ so that they can build up and benefit the rest of the believers. And some of those kinds of gifts are encouragement. Some people have strong faith, and the rest of us sort of feed off of their faith. Some people have the gift of helping others or being hospitable, bringing people into your house and encouraging them in that way. All kinds of gifts. So those are the kinds of gifts that we're talking about here. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. That's the answer to the question. It is God by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that makes possible 
all these different people to come together and to be in family together and to have harmony and to mutually serve and benefit and bless one another. Because, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And I'm going to keep going just a little bit. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Listen to this. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. You see that. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. All right. So what's the answer? Who's the one who brings us together? It's the Holy Spirit. God does it. God's the one who brings these diverse people from across generations and ages and races and socioeconomic backgrounds and, and, and religious backgrounds, and we're brought together into the one family to serve one another and, and mutually benefit one another. Now, this passage that we just read talks a lot about the how of that. How does that take place? But I want to take one step back and ask, reflect on why. Why would God do this? Why would God see it so important to bring people together and then to give them gifts so that they could bless one another in the community of faith? What's God trying to accomplish? And the answer, on some level, is he's bringing glory to himself through the dispersing of gifts throughout the community for the blessing of the people and the building up of the church. And that, that glory is expressed in, in several different ways. We have to go to different places in the New Testament, and we're going to just briefly mention a couple of those. But first of all, it's an expression of the power of God that we could be brought together like this from different backgrounds and, 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 and still be in harmony together. I mean, you know, we're not getting paid. I mean, a few of us are serving in this way, but this is not what brings the people together This is something that happens sort of spontaneously, the church, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And and, and it's to the glory of God, it's a testament to his power that he can bring people together and they could serve one another and bless one another. So we see what God is doing through the spiritual gifts and we give praise to God, we glorify his name. It's also an expression of his presence in the world. The metaphor in this text that we read is, is the metaphor of the body. And Christ is the head But the body is all linked together. It's one person, in a sense, using the metaphor. But the body, we are the body of Christ. That's what it says. The church is the body. We're the hands and the feet and the eyes of of Christ in the world. And so the world experiences the presence of God in the body of Christ. Do you see that? It's in the body of Christ that the world gets a taste for God's presence in the world. And there are other metaphors that we could talk about um, that associate this presence with the church as well. In 1 Peter, Peter talks about the temple and the importance of the temple. In the Old Testament, the temple was where the presence of God was. 
And, and, then, and then the temple went away after Jesus. And then Peter circles back to that temple language and he says, there's a temple now, but it's the, it's the church. It's the body of Christ. And you all, as living stones, like living stones, so instead of stone stones being piled on each other, living stones, people with gifts are being pulled together, stacked together to create this temple, which, which means the presence of God in the world. That's what the church is. And that gives glory to God because it, it demonstrates His presence. And then, thirdly, it's the pursuit of God that's on display as the gifts are given and the, the community is unified and we serve one another as one. And those gifts, uh, those, that, that display is, is, is exemplified in, in Jesus' prayer in John 17. He says, um, remarkable passage, He's praying before the cross praying for the disciples who are there present, talking to God with them in His presence. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and and me, those of us who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're exploring that, if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus was praying for you then that, that they, that we may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, Jesus says, that they also may be in us, so that, listen to this, so the world may believe that you have sent me. So when the world sees that we are one and we're serving each other mutually, benefiting each other, the world will look in and say, oh, God must be doing that. And they'll know, they'll know that God is pursuing them because it's an expression of the sentness of Jesus Christ and then going in to the community of faith. So why does God give these spiritual gifts And these are just some of the answers, but it's an expression of his power, of his presence, and of his pursuit. And I don't know what's going on with me. I guess if you preach after a while, you just start to alliterate all the time. And I've been trying to resist that my uh, my entire life, but I'm sorry. You have the three Ps there, right? Um, Anyway, uh, how do we foster it and nurture and maintain? That's the next question that this text talks about, really. This is more what this text is about. How How do we sort of foster and nurture and maintain this unity that God, uh, that, that we just talked about, it's so important to glorifying God. It's a kind of a trick question because the answer is we don't foster it, we don't nurture it, we don't maintain it. God has to do that work. We can't. We can't. In our own fleshly strength, we can't do it. And so, what we can do though is set our minds on three important realities about the spiritual gifts. Uh, and, and just very briefly, here's what they are each believer gets a spiritual gift. That's what this text says. Look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Very, very critical. There are many types of gifts, and I'm not going to take the time this morning to explain the difference between the gift of faith or the gift of hospitality or the gift of discernment. Um, If you'd like to explore that, go on our discipleship blog. You can find it on our website. We've got a whole section on the spiritual gifts, even a little inventory you can take and try to figure out what spiritual gifts you are, which you kind of have to take with a grain of salt, but you can do that process and and try to figure out your spiritual gifts. Um, But the spiritual gifts out of this text what we need to think about is that it's much more profound than simply the tasks that we do. Spiritual gifts are more profound. than So, for example, if you are serving as our sound person, like Jesse is serving as our sound person today, um, you know, you could come at it from all different kinds of spiritual gifts. It could be because you have the gift of helps, and so you want to serve the community in that way. It could be that you have the gift of, of service, 
It could be that you have the gift of leadership, and so you're leading uh, through your, your helping with sound, and maybe there's some other sound people that you're leading, and we're having a problem with our sound system, so if anybody has the gift of healing and they want to be our sound person, that would be great, and we could heal that up. Um, we have to think beyond the specific task. That's not what the gifts are about. The gifts are not about specific tasks. They're about how you go about them and why you go about them and how you relate to others in the midst of it. And so there are all kinds of tasks that can be accomplished with the same kinds of gifts. And we really need to think beyond Sunday morning. I think sometimes we think of spiritual gifts and being the family of God. We think just of Sunday morning and getting the table set for us to be able to gather together and worship, which is all very important. We want to set the table well so that we can enjoy worshiping together. It's like the family meal when we come together on a Sunday. And that's really important. But that's not the only way in which the spiritual gifts function. They function in relationships. And so I want to encourage you to think about your home groups and how do the spiritual gifts function in your home groups. In other words, look around the room next time you're in home group. What kinds of people has God brought together in that group to be blessing each other and benefiting each other through their spiritual giftedness. Some will have the gift of faith. Some will have the gift of helps. Some will have discernment and wisdom. Some will be teachers, so they'll help with that part. Um, There are all kinds of ways that the community is strengthened and emboldened and empowered as people live out their gifts. And so we have to think beyond just Sunday morning. We have to think about our city mission ministry and the work with the homeless that we've been doing and the work uh, in other areas in the city. How does our giftedness shape the way that we can come together as a team and approach that? Very important. I had three conversations this week that were so deeply encouraging to me. I'd known of at least three people, but I knew of these particular three people who were sort of orbiting around the periphery of our congregation. And I had this sense, which I, I feel increasingly, I don't, I can't, they're just beyond my reach. I, I can't get to have a conversation and, 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 and try to encourage somebody. Uh, and, and what happened three times this week in the space of two days is I had a phone call or a conversation with somebody who said, oh, by the way, I've been spending time with so-and-so. And I've been able to minister to this person. In one case, this person was encouraging. In another case, another person was using sort of the gift of teaching to help this person. And in a third instance, there was a person who really needed to draw from somebody with the gift of faith. And they were utilizing that gift in the relationship. And, and I didn't know this was going on. And when a church is working well, that's how it happens. Okay? People just step up with their giftedness. They get in each other's lives. And they start to serve one another. They don't wait you know, for a job offer. They don't wait for a title. They don't wait for any of those things. And we're trying to get better at organizing the church and all of that. But I'm just going to tell you, if you wait till we get everything fully organized on a human perspective, it could be a very long wait, right? Because it's just hard. And, and anyway, do you want to rely on me or the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit can manage all this. I can't. So we step out in faith and we just start serving and we discover what our giftedness is. And we don't have to wait. And when a church is healthy, people are just loving on each other that way. They're just serving one another. Okay, i got to move on. Um, Each of these gifts is highly valued. I'm not going to read the whole next section in chapter 12, but basically says, look, these gifts are, there's equal need for each one. There's equal value for each one. You can't say you don't need somebody else. They're all highly valued. And, And the point under that is that We have to resist the temptation to divide and separate when we see differences with one another, right? You might be gifted in some way, 
and somebody else is giving another way, there's a possibility for you there to be tension there, right? You're an evangelist. You want to get out there and just share the gospel more and more and more. And this other person is a teacher, and they're like, no, we just got to train people. And then you get in an argument, right? Because you're, but the, what God wants from that is you to strengthen one another, to bring together your complementary giftedness, to strengthen one another, to, be, to, 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 to draw from each other's giftedness, to make us as a community more rounded. The Warriors pass more than any other team in the NBA. Did you know that? They have one more pass per possession than any other team. I wonder if that explains some of their success. Knock on wood, right? Um, so anyway, we have, this, we have this thing. Each gift is highly valued. You don't need to wait for somebody to, to release you. You don't need to wait for a job offer. Just start serving. In the midst of that, you will discover your giftedness. Um, I love what one of our home group leaders said this last week. He, he looked around the home group and he said, look, we have so much abundance and wealth of, of, of spiritual giftedness in this room. Why are we just hoarding it? Let's all go out and try to find somebody to mentor and disciple or encourage or whatever it is. And, and, and that's the spirit that we want to continue to just inhabit us as a church. So each one is highly valued. I, I got to say this really strongly. If you're a believer, you have a gift to give to the community. You have it. That's what it says. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you're not to put that under a bushel, right? If you hold it back, we all lose something. You're to let that manifest itself in our community because God knew that we needed you to become as a church who He intends us to become. So don't hold that back. We need you to express your giftedness. All right, and then the last thing I'm going to say is that each one of these gifts ultimately is an expression of Christ's love. An expression of Christ's love. I'm not going to read it all, but the next chapter is chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And you've heard this uh, at weddings you've been at, I'm sure. Um, And what though it's saying really in its context is, look, We have these gifts and we can serve each other and some of us can do these things and some of us can do these things. But at the end of the day, if we remove love from the equation, then it will be for naught. So don't do that. And I think of Jesus Christ and and, and when Jesus went to that cross, it's not because he was especially gifted at dying on a cross. Right? That's not what it was. Underneath all of it was this incredible, world-shattering love that empowered him to do something that nobody's gifted for, right? To offer himself a living sacrifice on that cross. To die, to pay the penalty for our sin, an atoning sacrifice. The only thing that gets you there is love, not giftedness. And love is what got Christ to that cross. And the amazing thing is that Christ is saying, I want that love now to be put in your heart. And I'm gifting you and I'm calling you to do things and you're going to bless people, but don't forget what's at the center of it all, which is that sacrificial love. And you may be like me and you go, I don't have that love. There are a lot of times I feel like I don't have that love. And and that's true. It's a supernatural kind of a love. And that same Spirit that gives us the gifts is able to minister into our hearts and our souls 
the, the love of Christ. It says, we love because he first loved us. And we draw through the, through the leaning into the work of the Spirit, we draw from the love of Christ that he manifests on that cross and it's poured out into our hearts and it's a supernatural thing. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But we draw from that love of Christ and then we serve and bless one another. So Lord, would you meet us in our desire to serve you, to serve one another? Would you fill us with that love? Would you empower us to express our gifts? And would you make this church more and more mutually supporting and just thinking of all the relationships that need to continue to grow and the encouragement and and blessing that needs to happen as we are proactive about the spiritual gifts and we serve one another to bring you glory. Lord, only you can do that. Only you can manage all this and we're thankful that you do. In Christ's name. Amen.